And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green, the NFL draft and the rearview mirror. We're going to look and see which Gators went where and how that will affect uh, the first couple of years of their NFL careers. Team facilities back in the news after that Gator Spring football special on the SEC network. And oh, by the way, 1010XL is now your new home for Gator athletics here in the city of Jacksonville. So we got a lot to get into. And Denny, I guess we'll start. With Kyle Pitts, not every day that a tight end goes top five in the NFL draft. Kyle Pitts did last week, number four to Atlanta. I know the Falcons are very fired up to have him. Yeah, I mean, big shoes. Like, I mean, huge expectations for him to live up to at this point. Top five tight end. Um, we were talking the other day about the correlation uh, on the sports center about the correlation of do tight ends correlate to wins? And, and they don't. They, I mean, you look at the best tight ends uh, in league history – um, you know, Gonzalez and, and Gates and all those guys, they, they didn't. They didn't correlate to a ton of playoff wins. So he's going to have to be more of a Travis Kelsey, right? He's going to have to do everything um, and, and not be a traditional tight end. So, I, But I, I think he's in a good spot. Um, I, think th- I think he will have a great career. And I also think that he's paving the way for kind of that next – wave of tight end. Vernon Davis tried, mm-hmm. right? But it didn't work out. And he had, you know, whatever the issues you want to say were, but he didn't have, I think he was a six pick. He didn't have a career that said six pick. Well, Darren Waller has tried too, but he wasn't a high draft pick. And Darren Waller had some off the field issues. But Darren Waller for the Raiders doesn't look like a lot of other tight ends, but he's very productive. But And that's what I'm talking about is that, that transition from college to the NFL right. like how high can you draft you know we saw it with running back a couple years ago where there were multiple top five picks back to back to back years oh, I got you can can you do that from the tight end position and that correlate into victories or success in the NFL well, Kyle Pitts is going to be a trailblazer with that and really the last couple of tight ends Vernon Davis Kellen Winslow Jr. Mm-hmm. Yep. he didn't materialize either we'll see if Kyle Pitts does and you look at where he's going now there's obviously some talk about Julio Jones whether he'll be in Atlanta come the start of the season or not, but for the here and now, he is there with Calvin Ridley, with Matt Ryan. I mean, Kyle Pitts is going into a situation. Hayden Hurst is there as well, mm-hmm. and Hayden Hurst was a very good tight end last year for the Falcons. They're going to score a lot of points on that offense. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, they always score. I think I think Matt Ryan is extremely underrated um, because of what happened in the Super Bowl, 28-3. Yeah. But the guy just he puts up production, right? It, it's it, now it's at a, he's at a point in his life where he's got to chase a ring. His career would be a whole lot different if he had a ring. Oh no doubt, no doubt. And then last year was just insane. I mean, yeah. last year was basically twenty eight to three every week for a, a a month, essentially. Just weird things happen. So I think if you're Kyle Pitts, you go in, and and you're in a good situation. There's big expectations, but you're in a market that is media friendly for the most part to the Falcons. Um, and, and they're going to give you time to kind of find your way and develop, I think. Kadarius Tony goes number 20 to the New York football giants. It's interesting 
particularly with Urban Meyer's comments here locally in Jacksonville, that Kadarius Tony going 20, quote, broke his heart before uh, the Jaguars picked 25th. So certainly Tony was on the Jaguars' radar, it would appear. Kudos to the Giants for snagging him at 20, actually trading back and still getting him at 20. Surprised Tony went that high, and are you surprised that the Giants were the landing spot? Uh, I never thought about the Giants because they were supposed to be earlier, but no, I'm not surprised at all that he went that high. I think we talked about this last week. Is I, I thought he was implanted as a number one or as a first-round guy, but, man, after the Giants drafted him, did you not look at that roster and go, man, that makes a lot of sense? Yeah. I mean, that was a piece that they needed, and that offense, if Daniel Jones is anything at all, is – is loaded. If Saquon Barkley comes back healthy, got Evan yeah. Ingram, Sterling Shepard. I mean, they got a lot of talent. There. They do a ton of talent, ton of speed. Um, so I think another great landing spot for for another former Gator. I, I don't think that he could have asked. You know, outside of like a, you know, a Kansas City or or something like that, Tampa. I don't think he could have asked for anything better. You know, and I know this is a Gator podcast, but just indulge me for a moment because there's a Kadarius Tony wrinkle to this. So Kadarius Tony goes 20. The Jaguars end up taking Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, at 25. I don't believe Etienne's going to be a, quote, backup running back. I'm using the offensive weapon terminology with him. But if the Jaguars were really wanting Tony, they take Etienne five spots later. Surprise you they went that route if Tony was was their number one. Did Tony and Etienne's games... No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so at all. I think I think what you're seeing is Urban going more value board, right? Like, this is my grade on these guys, and ETM was the next highest graded player after Tony that we had, and so that's why we took him. And there's a lot of running backs. You could have got it 33 or 45 or any of those things. But, you know, I, I mean, I would have. it would have been interesting to see Tony's role in Jacksonville. Because um, there's a lot of young receivers, there's a lot of speed here right now. Um, it it would have, I think it would have been. A, I don't think it would have been as good of a fit for for Tony. I'll put it that way. I think landing in New York with some experienced guys um, is going to help him more than what it would have helped him being here. You know, one of the more interesting picks of the draft happened at the last pick of the second round, number sixty four. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defending world champions. Pull the trigger on Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, who has waited a long time in life, waited in high school, waited in college, waited his turnout, waited his turnout, finally got the opportunity, made the most of it. Well, he'll certainly be waiting behind Tom Brady for at least another year, maybe two, who knows. But I really, on the surface, Denny, like what Tampa Bay did with Kyle Trask at 64. You let him learn for a couple of years until Brady rides off into the sunset and then who knows, that may be his job, say, 2023 or 2024. Could be. I mean, it could be. I, I, I mean, a second-round pick is... Full transparency here, I don't like the pick where it went. I, I mean, I've, for the longest, had a third-round grade on it. It was one pick from the third round. I know, but I don't... Tom Brady does not give up reps. Right. At all. Yeah. Right, so if Tom, as long as Tom Brady's playing, you're not getting reps. And I don't know this. I mean, during the season, how many reps does the backup quarterback in the NFL get anyway? On a normal basis, you know, probably throughout the week, 60, 80 with okay. Tom Brady, maybe 10. Yeah. Maybe, if any. So, you know, I, I we say that about learning from Tom Brady, and I think he will, but, you know, you got to get reps. You have to get reps, and I think that he's a guy. He's going to need a lot of reps at the NFL game. He's going to need to learn 
you know, a little bit, you know, anticipation, a little bit better anticipation. I don't know what his processing speed is. I, that's the thing that held me up on him is I don't – I could never really tell what Kyle Trask process. That's different than a pre-snap read. Yeah. Well, I guess I look at it. You look at guys that have backed up Tom Brady in the past, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, Matt Castle. At some point, those guys got their opportunity. He'll get, yeah, he'll get an opportunity to play. There's no doubt. Unless the only way that doesn't happen – is if Brady stays a year too long and they suck one year and they end up with the top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, oh, there's this quarterback we can get. There's a lot that can happen between now and the two years from now that Brady's going to – at least two years that Brady's going to play. Of the three, Trask and Tampa – well, I guess we shouldn't even count him because he's not going to play. Tony in New York, Pitts in Atlanta. Easy to say Pitts is going to by far and away have the biggest rookie impact. Do you think that Tony puts up – you know, 50% of the numbers Pitts does. Oh I, oh, I think Tony is on the short list for Rookie of the Year. You do? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I think he's a guy that with the weapons they have at the Y position and on the outside receiver position, he's going to see the nickel coverage one-on-one, and they're going to find a way to exploit that. I, I think you could see Tony have, you know, like he did at Florida. You could see him have a 12-catch game. Um, I think you could look up at the end of the year and he could be a thousand yard guy, you know, his rookie year. So I, I actually, I mean, I think Tony's going to have a massive year. I think this is a great fit for him. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com and you can listen. For Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. I'd like to think, Denny, I know a lot about the NFL draft, been watching it for years, talked to a lot of these prospects, really enjoy the draft process. Every once in a while, something comes along that is just shocking. Not surprising, not, oh, that's interesting, no, but shocking. I was shocked that 259 guys heard their name called in the draft and Trayvon Grimes was not one of them. I'm with you. I was shocked. I'm with you. I I thought this time last week, I I think, I don't know if I said this to you or somebody else, I really thought he was going to be the guy that we were coming in here this week and going, I'm shocked with how high he went. I really thought that he was going to be the guy that somebody fell in love with. Yeah. That there was one or two teams um, that – Ian Book is a guy that I know really well. We work with Ian Book. There were two teams that fell in love with Ian, right? So he got drafted much higher than people thought he was going to go. I thought that would be Grimes. I thought there would be two teams that look at his frame, look at his production, look at everything and go, you know what? Everybody else saying fifth, sixth round. We think this is third round guy. And somebody would jump on it. I'm, I'm with you. It makes me wonder what we don't know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you work with quarterbacks, so obviously you – study wide receivers a great deal as well, what are we not seeing? How did 259 guys get drafted and Trayvon Grimes didn't? I mean, the weakness is in his game. He's not an elite route runner, but he's not a bad route runner. He's not great at coming out of breaks, but he's not bad at coming out of breaks, which is why he didn't have a first-round grade, right? If he was elite at those things at his size, he would have had a first-round, second-round grade. But – even all that being said, I mean, I think you can go through all the all the receivers drafted and probably find that same thing that got drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Now, 
I do believe there's probably something to in the seventh round, his agent Dane near telling teams not to draft him at that Maybe. point. Yeah. You know, I'd rather just do the undrafted free agent, get a little signing bonus, pick where I want to go, kind of the Marvin Wilson situation. Um, I do think there's probably some of that. But yeah, I know I'm with you, man. I, I don't know what we're missing. I don't know and I don't want to accuse him of anything, but it does make you wonder like what is there off the field? Is there and I'm not saying trouble, but is there is he, was he not good in interviews? Well, you know, he... yeah, we don't know. I mean, the silver lining for him, I guess, he goes to Philadelphia where Brian Johnson is. Yeah. So there's at least some familiarity there. Who was the defensive end? Was it Zaniga a couple years ago that started the draft process with like a first-round grade? And by the time it was all said and done, I think went in the third round. And we polite. Kai polite as well, yeah. Yeah, so that's who it was, yeah. And we found out it's because of two things. His interviews. Yeah, it was polite. Were yeah. terrible. And he didn't really take the time between the end of the season and combine slash pro day to get any better. That's a huge red flag, by the way. And I don't know what – I don't know. Trevon Grimes looked great, I thought, at pro day. But if if I'm an NFL team or NFL teams look at this guy and he looks worse at when he does his pro day than he does at the end of the season, that lets them know this guy's not really working like that. You should be in the best shape of your life at pro day or at combine day. And so, look, I get it. Teams' needs are different. And this is not a bash Sean Davis thing here. Where'd Sean Davis go? Round five? Sean Davis went in round five. Sean Davis, we talked about this last week, had a very high grade before the season. I think he held on to that. I think there's a lot of scouts that looked at it and went, okay, we had this guy as a first or second round grade before the season. He didn't get that much worse. He was on a bad defense. Yeah, a fifth is a value for him. Yeah, I don't remember where he went. But uh, Indianapolis. Okay. I guarantee if you talk to that GM on their board, they're looking at that and going, if he had been drafted last year, we'd have drafted him in the second. We got to take him now. Right. Marco Wilson also gets drafted, as does Evan McPherson. All right. Two more things I want to hit on this edition of Gator Bites. I don't know if you saw this. The SEC Network did that two hour special on Gator Spring football, which I thought was really good. I'm really not interested in watching infomercials, but... Well, I mean, that's that's essentially what it was. I agree. They talked to all the assistant coaches, a lot of the players, talked to a lot of guys, but one of the main segments right in the middle of the show was dedicated to the brand new facility being built at the University of Florida. It looked awesome on the SEC Network special. It looked absolutely awesome. You've been down to Gainesville many times. You work with Anthony Richardson... Uh, you've also worked in the past as well with Emory Jones. You go to Gainesville quite frequently. How are things coming along in the process? And when that facility is finally built and ready to go, will that end the talk about Florida's facilities lacking behind their SEC rivals? So I was there last Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, and I was excited to see you know, what it was – coming up as and I was very disappointed because there's been hardly nothing I mean it's it's just it's like a couple beams really that's all it is what but, are they projecting that ready to go I think I think not I think 22 22 yeah sometime in 22 I will say this it's bigger than I thought like I saw the footprint of it they have all that out and if you go where they're indoor practice so if you if you picture where the old baseball field was mm-hmm so there's now, if you haven't been there in a while, you probably don't know this, but there's an indoor, massive indoor practice facility for the football team. Right next to that is a 100-yard field and a 60-yard field. Okay? So picture that all in a line. This building takes up all of that. Like, it's that long. 
So I was blown away um, by where it started, where it ends. I couldn't really see, you know, they didn't have enough up to kind of see what it was even going to look like. Is it built being built adjacent to the, the indoor facility? Yeah, they'll be connected. They'll There's be connected. a wall that would literally connect, connect, uh, oh, okay. talk, connect them. And that, that actually, yeah, that's what they talked about. There's going to be like garage doors. Yep. And the weight room is going to be right next to the right indoor to deal. Yep. You lift up the glass garage doors. You go right out to the indoor facility. It's kind of like there's a, there's like this cookie cutter thing going on in, in college football where a lot of these things have the same. Auburn's is the same. Georgia's is the same. Where they have this same kind of blueprint to it. And then they just kind of put their own spin on it. It looks very similar. Like Florida State's about to do it. Yeah. So all of them have kind of figured out, okay, this is the most efficient way to do it. Florida's going to be in that. To answer your second question, though, it's going to be better than what they're in now a thousandfold, right? Because what they're in now was bad six years ago. It's worse now, mm-hmm. right? It is, it's embarrassing um, when you compare it. When they get done with it, though, they're going to need to start another one. Yeah. like that's just, We've talked about it many times on this. Georgia, who is who we like to compare to, spent, I'm making this up, but I think I'm in the ballpark, $100, $120 million on a facility. The facility got finished. First time I saw it, there were renderings for what they were about to start wow. on the next part of it. Got to do something different every, what, three or four years. Right. By the time you get finished with that, there's already another capital campaign. There's already a new trend. You look at what Auburn's doing. Auburn has flight simulators. I saw the Auburn Twitter handle released a, a video of their deal. You see how big that thing is? Oh, it's, it's it's amazing. 233,000 square feet. So I'm involved with a company that does um quarterback simulators. And if and it's like it's a training it's a training mechanism, but the reality is it's an amazing game. Mm-hmm. It's Madden on super steroids and these things are, <laughs> you know, a quarter million dollars. Um we're putting a lot of those in these facilities, right? That's what these things have become. Flight simulators, um, um, boots like recording studios, um, barbers, um, any type of game like the the lounges. And it's almost like it's there's no alcohol, but sports bar basically is what it is. That's what this is. There's a lazy river, I think, at Florida's. Um, massive pool, you know, stuff like that. These things are for recruiting purposes, but they're also for when you get there, you don't have to leave. Everything is right there. You eat there, you entertain there, you hang out there. So now that 20-hour rule becomes a lifetime rule, right? right? You're always in the facility. There's always something to do. You're entertained. That's really, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do. It's it's awesome. And when once it finally gets finished, it'll look terrific. But like you said, I mean, SEC and regionally – everybody's doing this. You have to do it facility-wise to keep up. Bro, Kentucky? Kentucky's is good? Unbelievable. Is that right? When I say Kentucky football, you think, ah, dude, unbelievable. Wow. Well, hold that thought for a second. Uh, Let me tell you about Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's, and we certainly thank Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for their continued support of the Gator Bites podcast. You mentioned six years ago, Florida did not have the facilities, and now they were embarrassing before this new one is being built. You mentioned Kentucky. It was awesome. How did that happen? 
How did the University of Florida fall behind the likes of Kentucky in football facilities? I mean, that seems well unbelievable I, on the surface. If I'm a Florida fan, a fan of the university, not the football team, like I like what Florida does. Florida does it different. Florida, when something's built, it's paid for. Everybody else is, okay, we're – so I come to you, and it's like, Hacker, what can you give me over the next 20 years? And that's your pledge, your commitment, right? Florida is, Hacker, what can you give me right now? And then when those right nows add up to that $200 million, then we will build it, mm-hmm. right? And, and so they do that differently, right? The other thing about Florida is most universities in the SEC have a lot of land, available to them florida does not right it's pretty you know, compact it's very and and the other thing like florida's always wanted to keep the football facility near the stadium when you go to georgia that's a bus ride yeah you know when you w- there's a lot of those places you know alabama i want to say is, is is a bus ride um florida everything's right there and they've always wanted to do that so they had to move a baseball stadium build another baseball stadium there's some other things they had to kind of move around which then you know how parking is at UF. Huh. Yeah. So that was a big deal when they built the indoor because that was all parking, right? So it, it's I think it's a combination of things. I don't think it was like a we're um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like we're going to abandon football or we're going to deprive football. I think it's just a way that things have always been done. There's epic stories that I will not tell on here of Urban Meyer's time at Florida and the fits that he threw about facilities. Really? I mean, epic stories that are unbelievable. And who would have thought Jim McElwain was the one that really got the ball rolling on this? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Urban got the ball rolling. I think that's when everything got started to get funded. Um, but you know, I I don't look at it as Florida being difficult. I look at it as this is the way we do business for every sport, every building. Um, we pay for things. We don't carry debt. And so when we pay for it, we can pay for it, we can get it. I think what's going to happen now, though, is they'll be able to pay for it a lot easier because now they will ha- they'll see, like, we're, we are a national contender with facilities. We need to keep that up. Yeah, it's going to be good when it opens, no question about it. As we begin to wrap up Gator Bites, uh, great news for us here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The announcement was made. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, but obviously we've been in a lot of draft talk with the Jaguars and, you know, Gator fans, um, may, you may not have heard, most of you probably have, but 1010XL in Jacksonville is your new home for the Florida Gators. Gator football, Gator basketball, most of the baseball games will be heard on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM, and that's a really cool deal for us, the fact that not only are we the flagship home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but now we're also the home of the Florida Gators. No other radio station in the history of Jacksonville, Florida, can say that they're the home of the Gators and the home of the Jaguars at the same time. We can. So I, I thought that was a very, very cool moment. And what it means for us, a lot more access. We've already had Dan Mullen on our radio station. We had Jeremy Foley, Scott Strickland, Mick Hubert. We've had a lot of guys on. I think they're about to start doing – aren't we about to start doing something with Steve Spurrier and – yeah, Steve Matthews. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Did that, I just make an announcement I wasn't supposed to make? No, it's a, it's Paranormal's Monday. Yeah, it's a it's a Facebook show. Okay, it's a Facebook okay. show. But yeah, Spurrier and and Matthews are involved in that as well. So we're doing a lot more things that maybe we couldn't have done before. But now that we're the home of the Gators, we have that access. Well, I'm glad it's working out for you. We're splitting signals at night with Gator baseball. <laughs> All right, we don't we don't have the fancy midday show. Oh, hack. well, there you go. All right, yeah, we're at yeah. night. 
And now, well, I guess it's good for people. You don't, if you want to listen to something, you don't have to listen to us. Now you can just go to the AM side, catch some baseball. Hey, Gator baseball is doing pretty well. Big win over Vandy. This I'm boycotting them because they're getting them at airtime. Well, they they I'm are just kidding. I'm just by the way, 44 games. What did they in. take two of three? Yeah, they're 31 and 13 on the year. They only have three home games left this year. Baseball season, where did it go? Three home games left. Dude, for Gator it's May, baseball. bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I said, we've been so Trevor Lawrence, it's, Trevor wait, Lawrence, is this Trevor Cinco Lawrence. De Mayo? It is Cinco de Why Mayo. Why am I drinking coffee? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. But the NCAA tournament in baseball is right around the corner, and Florida uh, have to win some games down the stretch if you want to be hosting regionals. I know they're picking them this year in a weird way, but nevertheless, thirty-one and thirteen. Maybe not the year people thought coming in, but they've righted the ship and they've won a lot of good games as of late. You've been here a long time, right? At ten ten, yeah. From the day it opened, I didn't hear a word you just said um, because I was thinking about this. Can I get permission from you since it's Cinco de Mayo for our show tonight for us to have margaritas, it's or above, do I have to go up the? That's above my pay grade. Okay. You got to go to the boss man about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, the answer should be yes, but again, yes. don't quote me. That's above my pay grade. I'm walking straight down the hall from here. Next week, I'm in the panhandle soaking up some rays on the Gulf of Mexico. So we uh, will skip next week of Gator Bites unless you'd like to come in. No, I'm good. And do it solo. I'm good. You're I'm good? good. Yeah. All right. Yep. So we'll be back in two weeks. And when we reconvene in two weeks, you're right. All of a sudden, it'll be mid to late May, and a lot of the preseason football magazines will be out. Athlon, Wendy's, those magazines are set to come out in a couple of weeks. Real quick, when those magazines come out, you think it'll be unanimous Florida picks second in the East behind Georgia? No. You don't think it'll be unanimous? No. You think some will pick Florida to win the East? No. Uh, Here's what I'm learning about media. People are paid on clicks now. No. So you're going to see Florida like third or fourth somewhere. If anybody picks Florida fourth in the East, that's... Well, I I already saw it. Did you? Yeah. I already saw it. They had them behind Kentucky and Missouri. Come on. But that's the thing, though. Like, I'm not going to mention who did it because that's what they want out of me, and they know Florida's fan base is that fan base. So, yeah, there's going to be people who try to bait you into retweeting stuff, good and bad, picking them one, picking them three, picking them four. But they're the second-best team in the East. It'll be curious when those uh, magazines come out. We'll get into it when we reconvene on Gator Bites. Thank you for watching on 1010XL's uh, Florida Gator uh, Facebook channel, and thank you for listening to 1010XL.com's podcast network. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. We'll be back with you two weeks from now for another edition of Gator Bites.